You're listening to Into the Fire, a series about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they persevered in their faith despite great adversity. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. So let's get to the message. We are continuing our series that we have titled Into the Fire, Into the Fire, and we live in a world where you're going to have troubles. We live in a world where you really are going to be tested. Situations and circumstances will arise that will, that will really test your patience. Really, there will, be, there will be moments where you are going to have to be forced to stand up for what is right and for what is true. And a lot of times in those moments, when those moments present themselves to us, uh, where we're, where we're, where we're tempt, we'll be tempted sometimes to, to make the wrong choice. We'll be tempted to make compromises. And so uh, we, need to, we, need to, we need to decide right now that we really are going to stand in the middle of these extreme, uh, extremely difficult circumstances. And so in this, in this series, we've been talking about Daniel. We're eventually going to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're talking about individuals who really stood in the midst of very difficult difficult situations and difficult circumstances. And today we're going to look at a very familiar story in the Bible. We're going to look at the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Now, if you grew up in church, you're familiar with this story. It's one of the classics, just like Noah's Ark, uh, just like David and Goliath, uh, you know, Jonah and the well, Daniel and the lion's den. Again, it's it's one of the, the classics. It's one that people really are familiar with. But one of the one of the one of the, uh, one of the uh, challenges really with this story is that it's been presented as a kid's story for so long uh, that we've, we've, we've kind of lost some real important parts of the, of the story. Like when we think about Daniel and the lion's den, we think about Daniel maybe in his 20s, early 20s. We think of someone who's in the prime of their life. Um, and so they're thrown into this den of lions. And we think of those lions down there with their fluffy manes. And we imagine Daniel kind of kind of cuddled up to them like you might do a kitten. I Googled Daniel in the lion's den this past week, and then I went to images, and one of the first pictures that showed up uh, when, I, when I Googled Daniel in the lion's den was this right here. And so uh, you look at that, I mean, everybody say, aww. Oh, didn't that look so cute, man? I mean, they're just kind of cuddled up, just cuddled up. Uh, but the reality is the story is nothing like that at all. First off, at this point in the story, what you need to understand is that Daniel's not young. Daniel is probably in his 80s. Daniel is, is probably in his 80s. He was, he, remember in his early teens, that's when he is taken. That's when he's taken out of his homeland. That's when he has to, to leave everything that he's been familiar with. And, and then when, last week when we talked about how he was interpreting dreams, interpreting the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar, when that happened, he was probably in his early 40s. And then remember, seven years pass. Seven years pass, and King Nebuchadnezzar, he's out in the, in the pasture, and he's, he's crawling around on all fours. He's, he's eating grass, and he's mooing like a cow until he finally acknowledges the God of heaven. And so decades have passed at this point in, da in da Daniel's life, and he is an older man. And the lions, I assure you that the lions did not look like that. The lions did not look like that. The lions looked like this. Now, that is not a pillow pet, okay? 
that is not, that is not a snuggle up it. You don't snuggle up to, to something like that. You're afraid of those. And I know that there are some people who are like, well, I'm not afraid of a lion. And look, that's great. But if that's you, you need to stop doing drugs, okay? Because this is scary. This is scary. Everybody, if, if you were, if, if th- you looked in the rear view mirror and in your back seat, this was right there. How many of y'all know you're going to be a little scared, right? You're going to be scared. So we would be, we would be afraid of this. Lions don't look like kittens. They don't look like kittens. They don't. I've got mad respect for lions. Now, I hate cats, but, uh, but I've got mad respect for lions. Lions and cats, they're completely different. And some people want to know, well, why? Why, Robert? Why do, you, why do you not like cats? And I'll just tell you, some of y'all might know this, but when I was a kid, my mom had, uh, she had a household cat. She had a, a cat named Stinky. And uh, Stinky was a pretty big cat. He probably weighed 30-something pounds. I mean, he was, he was, really, he was really big. And so me and Stinky, we were the only men in the family, okay? Uh, and so we were always really, there was all this, this, this power struggle between us. Uh, seeing who was going to be the alpha male. And so sometimes I'd just be walking by the couch or the chair and he'd, whew, you know, he'd try to scratch me or whatever. So I'd turn on the vacuum cleaner and I'd chase him with that. Like, I'm the man. This is my house. And so uh, we were always struggling back and forth. But I remember one night he decided he was going to try to kill me. And so uh, I was sleeping and I had a pillow over my face. I slept with a pillow over my face and Stinky jumped up on top of that pillow and he tried to start suffocating me. You know what I'm saying? And so I barely made it. Y'all shouldn't be laughing. This is serious. I almost died. And so I went and told my mom. I was like, Mom, Stinky tried to kill me. And so she runs in there to check and see what's going on with Stinky. And he's just purring like he didn't do anything wrong. But he tried to kill me, okay? So I hate cats. I really do. But I've got mad respect for lions. And so with this familiar story, with this familiar story, Daniel and the lion's den, what I hope to do is really give you some context to the story, bring some context back to the story. And so if I had to give this message a title, it would be to stand strong. It would be to stand strong. I want to talk to you about how we can stand strong in the middle of severe opposition. So let me give you a little background to this particular passage before we get to it in Daniel chapter 6. In Daniel chapter 6, Daniel is actually serving under a different king at this point in the story. He's actually serving under King Darius. And so King Darius was a master administrator. He was an administrative Genius, And so when he came in and he took over the land, he basically reorganized everything. And he, 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 made, uh, he put a, a position for 120 people, and he called them satraps. And those satraps, what that really means, what that word means in the Hebrew is kingdom protector, kingdom protector. So he organized 120 satraps, and then he had three administrators who were over those 120. Well, Daniel is one of those three administrators. He's one of those three administrators. And so again, their job is to protect the kingdom, to protect the kingdom from any kind of rebellion. They were to initiate taxes. They were to look after the financial affairs of the nation. And so in Daniel chapter six, starting in verse one, look at what the Bible says. It says, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Again, they were to, they were to protect the kingdom, kingdom protectors. That's what they did. So it says in verse 3, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators that the satraps uh, by... by from the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So here's what's interesting. 
We started this series out by talking about how we're supposed to stand out. And what we see constantly throughout the life of Daniel is that he did that. He stood out. He constantly served. He went over and above. We see him standing out and serving with a very great spirit. And so he's always going the extra mile. And the king notices this. And so the king says, you know what? Daniel's doing a really good job. And so I want to appoint him basically to be second in command. He'll be second only to me. And that sounds great. It really does. Because remember Daniel's life. What happened when he was a teen? He was taken away from his home country. He's forced to leave everything he was familiar with. Not only that, but when he gets into this foreign country, his name is changed. They make him a eunuch. You know what I mean? He's forced to learn all this stuff that he probably didn't want to learn. And so he's had all these bad things happen to him. And so him getting this promotion, it's a good thing. And so you read this and you think, man, it's about time that good things started happening in Daniel's life. And so this promotion though, actually introduces a lot more trouble to Daniel's life. See the other two administrators, these other two men, they, they are jealous of Daniel. And so they want to ruin him. They decide to go after him. They decide to take him down. And and we're going to, to see that Daniel continues to stand strong even in the midst of all this. And so for the rest of the time that we have together, I want to point out three things to you. Three things to you that we've got to understand if we're really going to stand strong in the middle of great opposition. Three things that we need to understand if we're going to stand in the fire. So if you're keeping notes, you want to write them down. The first thing that I want you to see is this. When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. Think about your life. But I know, I know in my own life, you know what I mean? There have been times where God has blessed me in a tremendous way, where God has done something great for me. And when I have shared that with other people, people that I really thought would be excited about it, you know, they're not excited. You ever been there? You ever been there? I know that I have. How many of y'all have ever, ever bought a car? You ever bought a car? If you're not raising your hand and you're sitting next to somebody, they're probably lying, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, either that or they stole the car, so you might want to hold on to your purse and your wallet a little close. Uh, but, I mean, the truth of the matter, I, I, remember, I remember when Amanda and I got married. Uh, when we got married, it's a true story, uh, uh, we had a Toyota Corolla. And, man, it was ugly. It really was. That car was ugly. It had been totaled twice. It had a salvage uh, title. And so, uh, we, you know, every time we got into that car, we had to pray that it was going to start. We really did. So we would anoint that thing with oil. We put a cord in it every week. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so this car was broke. It really was. And again, this is true. I'm not making this up. It was a, it was a manual transmission. It was a standard. It was a five speed, but it would only stay in fifth gear if you held your hand up against it. You know what I'm saying? Well, so driving for a long period of time, that's kind of difficult. So what we did was we took a sheetrock screw and we screwed it into the side of the console and we got a bungee strap. And so once we would be driving down the interstate long enough, this is a true story, we would take that bungee strap, we would hook it over that sheetrock screw, wrap it around fifth gear, and then we'd hook it again so that it would stay there. You know what I mean? And so, uh, man, it was, a, it was a rough car. It really, it really was. And so it finally came time for us to get a, a, a new car. And so we bought, a, we bought a used Pontiac G6. And Amanda was excited. I was excited. I really 
really was, uh, because she was driving from Vicksburg to Monroe. She was going to college basically four or five days a week. And so she was excited she wasn't going to have to use that bungee strap no more. We were, we were just really excited about that. And we bought that, we bought that Pontiac G6. We bought it on eBay. And it was nice, but it wasn't really, a, it wasn't really fancy. It wasn't like a fancy car. And I remember some people, when we got that car, they, they looked at us. See, I was a preacher. I was a pastor. And they looked at us. They said, oh, my. We must be paying the preacher too much. We must be paying the pastor too much. And I thought, man, I ain't driving a Mercedes. It's a Pontiac. You know what I mean? Now, if you drove a Pontiac to church this morning, I'm not making fun of you. I had three of them, but they don't make Pontiacs no more. You know that, don't you? This wasn't a nice car, but I really thought people would be excited for us, but they weren't excited. And that's what happens. Sometimes God will do something for you. God will bless you. And the people you think would be excited should be excited for you. They're not excited. This happens, this happens for Daniel. It's what I call the crab syndrome. Y'all know, if you ever walk in, hey, I don't know, if you go and catch some crabs, some live crabs, and you put them in a bucket, you know, those crabs don't know what you're going to do with them. Y'all know that? Right there, like, man, well, there used to be sand, and we were enjoying the water, and now what's going on? And so if you get a bucket of crabs, and you're going to take them home maybe to eat or something like that, you know, well, if one brave crab says, you know what, something's wrong. I don't think I should be in this bucket. I think something bad's about to happen. If that crab tries to start crawling out of that bucket, you know what the other crabs will do? Those other crabs will grab a hold of that crab and pull it back down to keep it, to keep it from going out, to keep it from, from going out. It's, it's the crab syndrome. Sometimes we say bunch of haters. Haters going to hate. That's what's going to happen. And so I'm telling you, when God raises you up, you can expect people to try and tear you down. Again, it happens to Daniel. Look at uh, Daniel chapter six, verses four and five. The Bible says, at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. You see that? You see that? They wanted to pull Daniel down. If we can find some dirt on Daniel, if we can find something in his past that we can tell other people, they won't like him anymore. He'll lose his popularity. People won't want to have anything to do with him. He'll lose his position. They try to find, they try to find charges against Daniel, but they were unable to do so is what the Bible says. It's amazing. They couldn't find any dirt on him. It says this, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Verse 5 says, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his guys, his God. So these guys are frustrated. They're frustrated. I mean, they've tried to find dirt on Daniel. They've tried to pull him down. They're trying to discredit him. And so finally they say, man, Daniel has so faithfully served God that the only way we're going to be able to find something wrong with Daniel, that we're going to be able to bring charges against him is going to be if it has to do with something concerning his God. So they come up with this plan. They decide, you know what? We're going to go to the king. We're going to butter the king up. They start sucking up to the king. And they're like, wow, king, have you lost some weight? Man, you look good today. Have you been working out? Tell us what's the secret, man. How, how is it that you, you look so buff? You look so, you look so good. King, you're so awesome. In fact, you're so awesome, king. They say, you know what you should do? 
You should issue a law that says that everybody has to pray to you for the next 30 days. And not only that, King, but you should also say that if they're caught praying to any other God except for you, they need to be thrown in the lion's den. I mean, for real, King, you look like you're from heaven. You look like a God. And so King Darius is just like most of the other kings. And he's very vulnerable to pride. And so he says, man, that sounds like a great idea. Write it up. So he issues this decree that if anybody prays to any other God besides him for the next 30 days, they should be thrown into the lion's den. And so, of course, this creates a problem for Daniel because the other two administrators, they know that Daniel is a man of God. They know that Daniel was a man of prayer. They knew that about Daniel. I wonder, I wonder, do people know that you are a person of prayer? Do people know that I am a person of prayer? I wonder today if a law was made that would really, that would really hinder us from praying, that keep us from praying, would, would it affect us? A law, a law. If a law was passed that hindered us from becoming closer to Jesus and closer to God, would that law really affect us any? See, the administrators knew that this would create a problem for Daniel. And again, those lions, man, this wasn't going to a petting zoo. This wasn't like going to a petting zoo. These, these lions were scary. Remember our picture? I think we still got it. We got that picture there. You remember? You remember that? Man, and so, so Daniel has no idea that God is going to rescue him from this lion, from these lions. He doesn't, he doesn't know that. So he has a decision that he has to make. So when it comes to prayer, there really are three choices for him to do. The first thing he could have done when it came to, uh, when it came to deciding what he was going to do about prayer, the first thing that he could have done was just, you know, stopped praying altogether. He could have said, you know what, God, I'm 80 years old. I've been faithful to you now for decades. It'll be okay if we take a break, just a 30-day break. We'll catch back up after these 30 days. He could have said that. The second thing that uh, David, Daniel could have done, and it's probably something that I would have done, was he just could have faked it, you know? Instead of praying out loud, he could have just prayed silently. Prayed silently. Hey, Daniel, what are you doing? Nothing. I'm just chilling. What are you doing? Are you praying? Uh-uh. I would, man, I ain't praying. I know better. I know the law. I know the law. I'm not, I'm not praying. He could have just prayed silently. So he, he could have just stopped praying. He could have prayed silently. Or his third option was he could keep doing what he had always done. Keep doing what he had always done. And that's exactly what he does. When I think about this story, I wonder how in the world how in the world was Daniel able to stand so strong in the middle of all this? And that brings me to the second thing that I want you to see this morning. If you and I really want to stand, kneeling to pray is what gives us the strength to stand. Kneeling to pray is what gives us the strength to stand. Look at verse 10. The Bible says this, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Three times a day, three times a day, he got down on his knees to pray just as he had always done 
before. You see, when you and I have difficult circumstances and difficult situations that come our way, our first response should not be to panic. Our first response really should be to pray. Daniel doesn't say, oh no, man, what am I going to do? He doesn't say, how am I going to get out of this? What am I going to do? He just did as he had always done, and he went and he prayed. And I want you to know today that God loves it when you and I pray. We can come boldly before his throne. We have access to the creator and sustainer of this universe. He cares about the smallest need that you and I have. And so he loves it when we humble ourselves and we come to him in prayer. It is a privilege to pray to the God of this universe. And so we should always pray. Daniel continued to speak to God as he had always done. And I'm convinced that one of the real reasons Daniel was so successful in his entire life with everything that he did was because he sought God in prayer. In the morning, he woke up and he said, you know what? I need to start my day off by seeking God in prayer. I'm a child of the most high God. I want to seek God in the middle of the day. In the middle of the day, he said, you know what? I need God right now in the middle of the day. At the end of the day, he wanted to wrap up his day with the presence of God. And so he sought God in prayer. Daniel prayed. Are we committed to praying? Are we people of prayer? Because kneeling to pray is what gives you the strength to stand. Kneeling to pray is what gives you the strength to stand. But here's the deal. Daniel didn't know he's going to get caught praying. He didn't. He didn't know that when he was thrown into this lion's den that he was going to be rescued. And this, uh, again, is, is what a lion looks like. I think we've got a picture. This is what, it, this is what he looked like. That ain't no Disney movie. That line ain't singing Hakuna Matata, right? That line's singing, I'm going to eat you. That's what he's singing. Today's going to be your last day because I'm going to eat you. That's what he's singing. This is scary. This is scary. Daniel has no idea that, that he's going to be rescued. He has no idea. This is real life, but Daniel just continued to pray to God. He continued to seek God, and that's how it should be with us. See, I wish I could tell you that as long as you seek God, that things are always going to work out for you the way that you want them to, but that's not always the case. In fact, there were plenty of people in God's word, in the Bible, who had the same faith and commitment that Daniel had, but God didn't rescue them. Think about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is beheaded for his faith in God. Think about all the disciples. Every one of the disciples was martyred for their faith except for John. And they tried to kill John by boiling him alive, but that didn't kill him. So they exiled him to the island of Patmos. I mean, again, I can't make the promise that if you stand that you're, you're not going to face any consequences. And I can't, I can't make any promises that as long as you pray that things aren't going to come against you. I can't make any of those promises, but that leads me to the last thing that I can promise you. And that is this. If you do what is right, you can trust God with the results. As long as you do what's right, you can trust God with the results. See, the difficult part for us to understand about this story is that Daniel doesn't know the end. 
He doesn't. We do. He didn't know that he was going to become a Sunday school lesson for centuries to come. He didn't, he didn't know that. He had no idea that the story was going to end the way it did. All he knew, listen to me, was that God had been faithful to him for 80 years now. He knew that God had been faithful to him for 80 years, and so Daniel was going to continue to be faithful to God. God had always been faithful to him, so he was going to be faithful to God. And so Daniel is caught praying. And you know what? King Darius is devastated. Why? Because King Darius liked Daniel. He liked Daniel. He liked Daniel, and everybody looked at Daniel with favor except for those who were jealous of him. So the king is mad basically because he's been tricked. He's been deceived by two of the people that he had appointed to really be in charge, but he charged, but he has given his word. And because he has given his word, he can't go back on his word. And so he sends the people to find Daniel and for Daniel to be thrown in the lion's den. And here's what verse 18 says. The very next day, it says, then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. So again, the, the king, he, he's upset right here. And we don't really know, we don't really know what happened while, while Daniel was in the lion's den. We don't. We don't know if, if Daniel just sang some worship songs. I mean, he was a man, you know what I mean? He, he is a human. He could have been over in the corner, scared to death, probably needing to change his drawers, you know what I'm saying? That's what I'd have been doing. Oh my goodness. He's, he's probably scared to death. He could have been over in the corner barking like a dog, trying to scare the cats. We don't really know what happened. We don't know. We don't know what happened. But we do know that by the power of God, by the power of God, the power of God shut the mouths of those lines. And I believe with all of my heart that this is a literal story that shows the goodness and faithfulness of God in Daniel's life. And so in the morning, you know what King Darius does? He runs over to the lines. Then look at verse 20. The Bible says this, when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in anguish. And he said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually. Do you see that? Whom you serve continually. Daniel, I've seen your life. I have seen you constantly serve God. I have seen you constantly have faith. I have seen you. I have seen your life, seen your faith. Has he, has he been able to rescue you from the lions? And verse 21 says, Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of these lions they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him. Why? What's it say? Because he trusted in God. As long as you do what's right, you can trust God with the results. As long as you do what's right, you can trust God with the results. And you know what happened to these guys that tricked the king? The king calls them in. He says, shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you for trying to deceive me. And the king throws those two individuals into the lion's den. And have you ever, anybody like work night shift or something like that? You ever work all night? You know how, you know how, how many of y'all after you do that, you're kind of tired? Yeah, man, you're tired. Uh, you know, those angels, man, they... They had worked, they had worked all night. They were tired. And so 
They must have been real tired from working all night because look at the last part of verse 24. Here's what the Bible says. It says, And before these individuals reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. And that's awesome, but it's not the best part of the story. It's not. The best part is that because of all this, the king issues a decree for all the kingdom that the people should fear the God of Daniel. Because of Daniel's faithfulness to God, other people came to worship God. Daniel was faithful. So listen to me, and I'm wrapping up. But if you're facing any kind of opposition today, and I know that some of us are, if you're facing any kind of opposition, opposition, just remember that when God raises you up, you can expect people to try and tear you down. And just remember, if you're facing any kind of opposition, that it's kneeling to pray that's going to give you the strength to stand. And just remember that if you do what is right, you can trust God with the results. See, folks, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of this dark world. And we're called to stand strong in the middle of this world. And so the way we do that is by putting on the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and the belt of truth. Our shoes, our shoes are, are prepared with the gospel, which means that we're always ready. And when we put on the full armor of God, we should have a peace. A peace that can only come from God. A peace that will enable us to stand strong. So no matter what you're going through right now, I wanna encourage you, be faithful to God because God has always been faithful to us. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk. But I wonder today if there was somebody here who really is going through something difficult. They're going through something hard. Maybe a coworker is giving you trouble. I just want you to understand that, again, when God is trying to do something in your life, a lot of times people rise up to keep that from happening. If you'd say, Pastor, I got, I got some things that are coming against me. Would you pray for me? I'm just going to ask it right where you are. You lift your hand. Amen. 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 What about this? There, there might be somebody here today, too, who's been trying to stand on their own. You've been living for yourself. You've yet to surrender to God. And so you, you don't have any peace in your life. There are lions roaring all around you and you feel hopeless. I want you to know that God brought you here today 
so that you could meet the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so if you're here today and you're, you're ready to surrender your life to Christ, you know you need to be saved. Right where you are, I'm just going to ask that you lift your hand because I want to pray for you too. But you need to be saved. Amen. You need to be saved. If you raise your hand to pray to receive Christ, I'm going to ask right where you are that you just pray with me. Father, forgive me for all of my sins. Forgive me for living for myself. Forgive me for trying to live in my own strength. Today I surrender to you. And I ask that you come into my heart. That you give me a new heart. That you make me a new creation today. I confess you as Lord. I accept your payment on Calvary's cross. And Father, send your Holy Spirit to fill me so that I'll be empowered to stand strong. Father, I also want to pray for each person in the room who raised their hand, just saying, Father, that they felt like there were some things that are rising up to try to pull them down. Father, I pray that you would encourage them this morning, that they would know that your presence is always near, that they would know that they can call on the name of the Lord, that they can call on your name. You hear us when we pray. Father, and I pray that you would answer, that you would answer and that you would do great things. Father, thank you for today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.